Welcome to the Bank of Me podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance build strong cultures. Hosted by James Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello and welcome to the Bank of Me podcast. My name is Owen Cook. I'm the head of programs here at the Bank of Me. In today's podcast, I'm being joined by Susanna Thurston from DAZN. Like many other organizations, DAZN is rapidly expanding across the globe. They're spreading into new regions and territories, and with that expansion comes a requirement to work well across numerous different cultures. We've been working with Susanna and her team on enabling DAZN's managers to grow their cultural understanding and looking at how best to work together with their direct reports, their stakeholders, and their wider teams whilst allowing for cultural differences. I'm delighted Susanna can join me today to talk about their journey and some of the key learning points. Welcome to you, Susanna. Hi. Hello, Owen. It's lovely to have you with me, Susanna. Um, Obviously, we've worked with you and with your organisation for quite a while, but we will have listeners out there who don't know much about DAZN, let alone about yourself. So if you don't mind, can we just start with a brief introduction to, let's start with you, shall we? What's your story? Where have you come from to be here today? And what's your role at the Zone? Uh, I work as a senior vice president for uh, talent and recruitment or resourcing for the Zone. I've been with the company for just around, around 10 years, even though the Zone as a company has been only created three years ago as a part of a bigger company called Perform. Before that, I worked um, in the broader world of media, but my original background is actually TV production. So the zone is a place where I found home for all my previous skills and experiences from media, production, uh, and international uh, experience in working in several different companies and countries before. Can you tell us a bit more about what DAZN do for those listeners who don't know of DAZN or aren't aware of it yet? Oh, I would expect that many of the listeners will not yet be aware of the zone. The zone's been launched as OTT uh, product of Perform Company just about three years ago. The zone is now digital leader in the in global sports media. We produce and stream sport content across a number of markets, including Japan, Germany, Austria, Switzerland. Italy and Spain in Europe, and also United States, Canada, and most recently Brazil. So we also we we stream live uh, sport content, but also produce original sport-related program. You said that uh, the zone obviously started within Perform and has spun out, and I'm I'm aware that there's been quite a growth journey there for the organisation. Can you give us a bit of an idea of just how rapidly the zone has grown in order to become its own entity as well? Oh, absolutely. I can still remember that just over three, three and a half years ago, when I've seen the first PowerPoint presentation that was talking about this future, new, amazing service that we didn't really have a name for yet. And even the story about coming up for the name The Zone was very interesting and not, not very easy to come up with the, with the new name for the international company. Since then, we did grow quite amazingly. Last year, we filled about 1,400 roles, so my team was really busy. Today, we have about 2,800 employees globally. So 1,400 in a year, 
up to 2,800 means you've doubled in size effectively in just over the last year. Pretty much. And if you take into account that we were hiring people in different markets with completely uh, different skills, different levels of skills, of seniority and expertise, it was quite a journey. And it still is. It continues to be a very exciting journey for us. You mentioned the challenges of recruiting in new markets. So you've got this mix of communication styles, backgrounds, customs, cultural kind of ways of doing things. And I know that in the work that we're doing with you at the moment on kind of international manager training, those things are things that crop up time and time again. And the real desire from your end to do that work was based around the reports from managers saying that they were running into these cultural issues. I remember from the, the, the program, one of the stories somebody told was about having conference calls with people with English as a second language and how in particular they felt that the guys who had joined from, I think it was Germany, what they felt they were slightly unresponsive on conference calls. And when they finally had a, a face-to-face conversation about the, those calls, the German colleagues said, you have to bear in mind, you speak at a certain speed in English and you move the conversation on at a certain speed in English. And we're there listening translating it into German in our heads, thinking of our responses, translating them back into English, and then by the time we're ready to contribute, you've moved on to the next thing. We just need a bit more time. And it's the kind of nuance like that that I think is really important to to bear in mind when you're a new manager or a manager who's working with new markets to you where you don't know those people and their cultures. Well, I can relate to that because I myself was in that situation when started working for, for British companies and struggled with jargon, struggled with acronyms, struggled with jokes and connections with, with, with programs or organizations that I didn't even know what people are talking about. So absolutely, I understand how difficult it is, not just for people, because uh, let's face it, even in our uh, UK teams, we have a lot of people who came from different countries with uh, speaking different languages, and we hire them because of those languages, because of those experiences, and their diversity is making us more successful as we go. So, yes, of course, we have to be aware of that from preparing and giving ahead as much information as we can so that people understand what we will be talking about to stopping and making pauses along way and making sure that everybody on that call understands what we're talking about, including them every step of the way, maybe occasionally saying, oh, can you just like... uh, what did you read and how this sound to you? Or what is your understanding of this without, of course, putting too much pressure on people who may be from non-English countries? And, of course, following it up in writing after the call, because many of these people find it much easier to just double-check and cross-reference what we've discussed when they see these things r- written down. But I do have to say that most people who work with us globally really have amazing level of not just English, but often several languages. And I always have a lot of admiration uh, for people who can so quickly jump from one language to another with very clear understanding of what we're actually talking about. That makes me think actually about, so as you said, you, you've got lots of people globally who speak lots of different languages, lots of different cultures. And there are probably still quite a few that don't, that are English-speaking managers who are dealing with those teams and those people 
and who don't have the, the maybe the nuance of a second language or a third language to draw on in their experience. And it just made me think about when I'm dealing with and managing people from different cultures, while I can't change language to match them, I do change my style a lot. And that's born out of kind of knowledge and awareness of the different ways people like to do things. So, for example, when working with Japanese colleagues, I will always try and build in time for them to go away, talk amongst themselves and reflect on things before I ask them for any feedback or questions around things, because I know they're not necessarily as comfortable as we are having challenge in the room in the moment and things like that. Have you seen from your colleagues across the zone managers who are really good at that kind of thing, of adapting their style to different people? Yes, we do have many managers who've been with us for, for years and have developed the skills and knowledge of working with people from different cultures. So we all learn from each other. Now, I have heard stories, especially you mentioned Japan, because Japan was uh, one of the first markets where we launched. And that's where our learning curve uh, really began to look very steep. And there was so much unknown. And we did learn not just from each other, but of course from uh, other colleagues in Japan or colleagues who worked for Western companies in Japan, understanding how we need to communicate, how we need to adapt. It's two-way thing. It's not just us expecting our colleagues to adapt to us. Of course, we need to adapt ourselves as well and, and adapt our communication style every step uh, as we go. But I, I find it really important to actually get to know the person that we're working with. The danger of generalizing things and saying, oh, just because someone is from Japan, Japan, they will behave this way or they will expect us to behave this way. That may not be necessarily very helpful because we are very different working in London and UK and we adapt to people within our own team, even in, in UK. So I always... Uh, take time to get to know a person and understand what works for them, what their expectations are, and what is the most effective and easiest way to for them to work with me, not just for me to work with them. Absolutely. I, I think when we work around this cultural stuff, I think what we tend to try and use it as is a bit of a, a signpost, a kind of hint that you've got to remember people do these things in different ways. They like to communicate in different ways, make decisions in different ways. They treat deadlines and agendas and schedules in different ways. And that we need to take that nuance into account when we're dealing with people and particularly when we're dealing with multicultural projects and project teams. We've had a number of your staff on the, on the program who actually have mixed heritage from different countries. And, and when we get them to, to plot how they fit on these different kind of scales of interaction and the way we do things across global businesses you can often find quite an interesting thing where that they sit halfway between or in between their two lines of heritage. Uh, if you have somebody who is, say, from Europe but has lived and worked in the Far East for a long time, then they tend to exhibit more tendencies towards that way of doing things as well because as humans we learn and adapt with our experience. We take these things on board. You've gone on this journey, this journey of expansion, recruitment, talent development and growth across the globe if you were talking to an organization, because you, you, you guys at Zone still very much think of yourselves as a startup and startup mentality, don't you? 
I think we are moving away from startup because with almost 3,000 employees, we do need to um, to grow up. <laughs> uh, but we don't want to lose the mentality of bravery and invention that often comes with a startup. So you've gone on that journey. You've got nearly 3,000 employees. If you were talking to your, your younger self at the early stages of this journey or somebody else who's in an organization that is looking at potential rapid growth, particularly international growth. Have you got advice you would offer to them? Well, yes, I think the number one advice would be don't make assumptions. We have been making a lot of assumptions at early days and not really having or taking time to do preparation learning or research or talk enough to people who may already have those experiences. And uh, we were starting something that not many people started before. So while feeling as a front runners, we also probably didn't spend enough time, at least I haven't, of knocking on the doors of the people who have done something like that before and learning from them before even talking to third-party suppliers, agencies around the world who try to find people who speak English and who will understand the way we write our job descriptions, even rather than understanding how is it that they do, they write their job description, how people look for jobs in different countries and what are the secrets of finding the best people in different markets around the world. I think now I would take more time in researching that side of thing before jumping straight in. But we are, we are, I think we did excellent job with a lot of, lot of sweat, tears and blood, but achieved, achieved a lot. And we're all very proud of what we've achieved. Hopefully not too much blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's very good and sound advice, particularly uh, I really like what you said there about um, thinking about where do people in different cultures and countries look for jobs and do they understand you know, the way you've written yours, because earlier when you mentioned your early days of jargon and acronyms and abbreviations that people used, and I'm aware that some of the job descriptions I look at when I'm working with clients and they're, they're asking for advice, I read them and I barely understand some of the things they're asking for. So if you're looking at recruiting the best talent in a new market, what chance do they have of, of identifying that as a role that both they want and they think they can go for? That is that is a really good good example of things that we can still change and we are changing as as we as we go. We are talking to our external partners from the local markets and also making sure that we translate job description in the local language and publish in both English and and the local local language, even though often. People do need to have certain level of, of English understanding to, to apply. But it's not just about job description. It's also where do we advertise? How do we advertise those jobs? Where do we go to find people? And, and how do people interact and engage with new future employers, particularly when the new employers are unknown startups? What we find out is when we launch the product, as it happened in Brazil, in Spain, within three, four weeks of advertising activities, product activities, uh, we do have massive increase in applications. And the challenge is then different, of course, to find among those people the right people for the zone. Of course, a recruiter's probably best problem to have. Yes, especially when you have everybody who likes football in Brazil applying for any job at the zone. Yeah, Of course, of course. <laughs> Susanna, as uh, part of 
what you guys have been doing in your kind of talent development across the zone mm. is investing a fair amount of you know, time, money, and energy in working with your managers who are dealing with these international markets and cultures. What do you see the value of that to be, and, and what comes back to you through the business in terms of feedback? Well, the value is to start with in increasing uh, confidence among managers who are facing challenges of working uh, internationally and remotely for the first time. And even those managers who have done it previously, to spend time with the colleagues, with the peers, and bounce some ideas against each other and learn about the most recent findings or beliefs or write policies, practices, and just receive a bit of a toolbox, what they can apply in an everyday job makes incredible difference. They, the comments and the feedback I'm, I'm hearing regularly is how much easier it makes the job and they, they are much more confident in dealing with their colleagues and much more effective uh, immediately. But of course, they then understand they do need to spend a bit more time about probing, understanding and, and learning about people they work with. Absolutely. One of the things that I regularly hear when I'm working with your teams on this international team management is how much they value actually meeting other managers who are experiencing and going through the same challenges and hearing their stories about the cultures that maybe they're just about to work with, which you just touched on, it seems to be something that actually people really value is that chance to network with people in similar roles, similar positions from across the business and gain learning and understanding from them. Are there other forums within the business where you are doing that in a formal way? Oh, yes, that is that is the area that we're all very, very much uh, aware of. And we are focusing on creating different channels and opportunities for people to network. Of course, structured training sessions, just one of many. We have internal communication channels, Yammer groups that people use. In, in smaller or bigger groups, we are soon to launch our first learning management system with chat area for managers specifically focusing on international management and remote management because it's, it isn't, it's that additional element of managers being in one part of the world, different time zones, working with people who might be on the other, in the other season, time of night, uh, maybe, even, maybe even it's a different public holidays. We often have those challenges. There's just so much to explore and learn. And uh, networking and exchanging knowledge, experiences and challenges, that's, that's extremely valuable for, for, for all managers, I believe. One of the core facets of the program, actually, that people usually really enjoy is talking about how different cultures tend to build relationships and build trust and the differences between cultures that build trust more on a kind of task-based approach, which is, do you do what you said you're going to do when you said it? And relationship-based, which is, do I know who you are and do I feel like you know me and care about me? And when you mentioned... It's not just remote management, it's remote management across cultures. Understanding those two things and actually really focusing on them as a manager at the outset of projects, I think must be something that we actually need to prioritise more as we go forwards than maybe we are already. Absolutely. There, there are some, I believe, just basic hygiene things that we could all do. Uh, I'm always making sure that I'm aware about public holidays in different countries, that I'm aware of 
start of school in different countries because this is where parents want to have a couple of days, a bit of a time to take their children to school for the first couple of days when people break for different maybe religious holidays and to to respect the customs of the country rather than trying to force our way of working, our working hours. And one thing that I've learned recently is not to... I learned it before, but I really decided very certainly not to do it again, not to send emails to people on Sundays or late at night. And because in some place, some people will expect, will think I'm expecting them to work on Sundays and in the evenings. So I put them in my preparation box and then on Monday morning, just send them. And also, if it's a different time zone, I'm trying to very clearly say this is required by end of the week or by... So so not today, not by tomorrow. But that clarity is so important. I'm aware that there were occasions where inadvertently I I, I made people work late or at the weekend when that really wasn't my intention at all. That's funny, isn't it? Because we're touching there almost on on well-being and wellness Mm -hmm. as well. Because as a manager looking after the well-being of your staff, making sure they don't feel they're expected to work on their public holidays or in their evenings because it's actually your morning and things like that is so important too. So I'm really glad you raised that. Oh, I think it's very important. Yeah. Well, speaking of well-being, I think it's time for us to have a break. Thank you so much, Susanna. It's been a real pleasure talking to you this morning and I, I really appreciate the insights you've offered. Thank you, Owen. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.